0: and welcome to this week's podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. This is Josh Carlson with Hilltop Community Church and this week's message is from our series titled Words of Life. So today we're going to be joining a very special guest and friend of Hilltop, Ken Hartley, as he discusses the relationship that God desires to have with each of us and how that relationship impacts our personal identity in Christ. Ken is an incredibly gifted speaker, musician, illusionist, teacher, and that's just scratching the surface. But we are very excited to hear what Ken has to say. so let's go ahead and get started. Well, again, it's an honor to be here with you. Uh, Thank you so much, Pastor Kurt, for the invitation to be here. I'm just so excited. It was great to meet you and Becky and your whole family uh, yesterday, and then, of course, the wonderful staff here as well. I want to talk to you just briefly as I told the first service, I will not be long. Just do me a favor and don't get done before me, okay? And we'll be good. (laughs) I want to talk to you about the fact that God is relational. God is a relational God. He desires a relationship with you. Several years ago, I was at a funeral. A friend of mine named Alan was preaching the funeral, and it was his mother's funeral. And while he's up there preaching this funeral, there's a kid in the back of the room. I, I'm the, I was singing for it, so I was at the very front. And it's very distracting. This kid, I thought, okay, parent will take care of that. Mm-mm. On and on. This went on for a good five, six minutes, which at a funeral is a long time. Kid kept getting louder and louder to the point that people are looking over the shoulder. I did too. I was like, oh, parents, are you going to take care of this kid? And the girl kept getting louder, and then she was out in the aisle, just boom, 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 jumping around. And I'm going, at a funeral, this is awful. Mom, Dad, do us a solid here. Take care of the kid. No. And then as he's up here preaching, there's the casket right there. The little girl starts coming up the aisle. I'm going, what in the world? Are the parents not going to get this kid? The kid came all the way up the aisle. As the kid got to the front, Alan stepped off to the side. He reached down, picked up the little girl and said, Honey, Pop's talking to people right now. But when he gets done, he can't wait to see you and play with you, okay? She went, Okay, Pop and kissed him he set her back down she went right back to her seat you see my friends relationships trump everything even a funeral relationships trump it all so what's your relationship to God that's what we're going to talk about do you understand that God is after you he's after you he desires a relationship with you and so much so that the Bible tells us in John chapter 4, Jesus said, The time is coming and is now when those who worship the Father will worship Him in spirit and truth. For such worshipers, the Father seeks. Means He's looking, looking actively for a relationship with you. My grandfather was from Independence, Missouri. That's where my mother grew up. And he was Harry Truman's electrician. Yeah. The day I was born, he walked over to the Truman house, knocked on the door, and Harry Truman answered the door. <laughs> it was the day and age it was. And he had a little Gideon Bible in his hand and he handed it to him. He said, he said, what can I do for you, Glenn? He said, I just had a grandson today. He said, that's a wonderful thing. Handed him the Bible and Harry Truman signed that Bible. I still have it today. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But what did it take for my grandfather To walk up there to that door without being stopped by the secret service. They knew Glenn Adams. They knew he was okay. Because of the relationship, he had access. Because of our relationship, we have access. The question is, do you take advantage of it? Think about it this way. Think about the most famous person that you know. Or let's say, maybe you don't even know him. Just a famous person you admire greatly and if they were to call you up and go hey i want to spend about 15 minutes i'm 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 going to come into carson city i want to spend about 15 minutes with you would you clear your schedule and make time for them or if they said i want to get on the phone i'm going to i'm going to call you up and they send you a text and say just get ready i'm calling you it's going to be at 11 45 on sunday i'm going to call you up would you take that phone call and be ready Yeah, you would. That's why I say, I, I sit here and I walked out this door and just saw the breathtaking beauty that's out here. The God who created all of this wants time with you. You say, well, I know you're talking to everybody. You're not just talking to me. Yes, I am talking to you. So, you may be brand new in this thing going, you know what, dude, chill. I just kind of showed up today and I don't really know about any of this God stuff at all. That's okay. If you don't remember anything else I say today, remember this. The God who created everything that you see out here loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. You say, well, Ken, you're not really, you maybe not know everything that I've done or what I've been through. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. God loves you. You say, well, I don't really love him. Doesn't matter. He loves you without equivocation. He loves you and wants a relationship with you. That's the nature of God. You see, if we go all the way back to Genesis, God is creating the heavens and the earth. And every time he creates something, he'll go, and it was good. I love that. It says he, he separated separated the waters, part of it land, part of it sky, and he went, it's good. It is good, it is good, it is good. And then it says in Genesis 2-7, it says the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and then breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. And if you fast forward to Genesis two eighteen. Then it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good. For the first time in all of history, it is good, it is good, it is good. Then all of a sudden, it's not good. What was not good? It is not good for the... The sermon gets longer if you don't talk to me. (laughs) It is not good for the... Oh, now you're listening. Now you're listening. I love it. For the man to be alone. I will make a helper... Corresponding to him. God knew it was not good for us to be alone. He created us to be in a relationship with him. I want you to check this out, though. Look in in Genesis 3 8. Genesis 3 8. This is after man sins. It says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. What What was God doing? In the garden. This means that in the Garden of Eden, I mean, check this out. This is so amazing. God is just walking through the garden. That's the norm in the garden. God walking along beside them, having conversations, talking with them. This wasn't an isolated incident. This was the norm. God walking with them. They had to hide from God, that verse says, because of the sin. Look in Genesis 5 24. Genesis 5, 24. There's this guy named Enoch. The Bible says Enoch did what with God? Walked with God. This is a relationship. Just walking with him. And then it says, then he was not there because God took him. It's one of the people we know in the Bible never died. God just went, you walked with me so much, come on with me. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's the power of relationship. And here's the thing. We are made for relationship when God, we're created in God's image. So just like God is relational, so are you. You say, you don't know me that well, Ken. I don't like people. (laughs) You are created for relationships. When we're born, there is the relationship of that child and his mother. There is a bond there. The child also begins to bond with father. But that initial relationship is mom. Then bonds with father. And then if there's siblings, bonds with siblings. And then from there, begins to stretch out that social network and bonds with other children. And then begins to bond with other kids at school. And then at the workplace. And then hopefully, ultimately, maybe a, a loved one. A mate for life. We are made to be relational. Gary Smalley, who is a relationship expert, if you've not read any of his material, I would encourage you to do it. He has a book called The DNA of Relationships, but he quotes something, it's a UCLA medical study. Dr. Alan Shore found that our basic genetic structure within the brain is hardwired to form emotionally based connected relationships right from birth. Relationships are not optional. From the moment we're born, we're in a relationship with parents, siblings, other relatives. Soon, we're in relationships with other children. Later, we have relationships at school, the workplace. We develop close relationships with friends. And eventually, most people develop a relationship with someone they deeply love. When a relationship becomes difficult or painful, we tend to dismiss the relationship and may for a while try to abandon all relationships. But inevitably, we come back and seek connection again. Though we can choose how we will participate in relationships, we have no choice about whether we will participate in them. And this is a critical point. Our only real choice is whether we will work to make our relationships healthy, whether we will do things that hinder or enhance them. And Dr. Dean Ornish has found in his research, listen to this, that loneliness and isolation increase the likelihood of disease and premature death from all causes by between 200 to 500%. Are we made for relationships, yes or no? Absolutely. That's how God created us to be. So that means God desires that relationship with us. How does that look after Adam? After Adam... We're going to fast forward. I'm going to run through some history really quickly here. After Adam, if you hate history, just hang with me. I promise, okay? I saw some of you kind of, ooh, history. Okay, hang with me. Moses. Moses, the time of Moses. Well, that's when the law is given. In the time the law is given, God gives specific instructions in the book of Leviticus and says, we're going to set up a tabernacle. Also in Exodus, we're going to set this thing up. The tabernacle is going to have an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. It's this big tent that's going to be set up, and it's going to move with you. So every time you get up and move anywhere, you take that tabernacle, there's a certain way it's going to be carried, pick it up, move it, set it in the next place. That outer court, there were some people that could go in the outer court. There was fewer people that could go in the inner court, but in the holy of holies, there was only one person. That was the high priest that could go into the Holy of Holies, and that was only once a year to make atonement for sin. And they had to go through specific things in order to be cleansed and clean to go into the Holy of Holies, because that's where the presence of God dwelt. Fast forward to the time of David. David is here. David's man of war. David sets up, conquers these all of these enemies, and then sets up in the city of David, and right by the city of David, if you've ever been to Israel, you probably have seen this. There's Mount Moriah. On top of Mount Moriah today is the Dome of the Rock. But in the time of David, it was clear, and David said, we're going to set up a temple there. God said, you shed too much blood. You can't do that. Your son Solomon's going to have to set that one up. So Solomon builds a magnificent temple, and that temple on top of Mount Moriah had an outer court, an inner court and a holy of holies. It was just a more permanent structure. It was not mobile. So over here, the structure's moving with the Israelites. In Moses' time, they go; it goes wherever they are. Here, a little more permanent, because it's in one place, so everybody has to go to that structure. Fast forward to Jesus. Jesus comes to this earth. Jesus lives a perfect life, never sinned. If anybody deserved to die and go to heaven based on merit, it was Jesus. And God, at this point... Accepts what Jesus did as payment for sin, so any one of us who puts our faith and trust in Christ can have a relationship with Him. What does that have to do with the tabernacle? It has to do with this. I have an outer court. So do you. That's our body. I have an inner court. That's my soul. That's my mind, my will, and emotions. We also have a holy of holies. That's the Spirit. That's what's born again. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells in us, inside that tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies in us. So God goes from a mobile tabernacle to a more permanent one and says, no more of this. My dwelling place has been in the Holy of Holies mobile. My my dwelling place has been more permanent in Solomon. But now my dwelling place is you. Permanent. That's a relationship. With God. That's what it's about. So God sets up this system where we become his tabernacle. And then Jesus, when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus is relational as well. He has three very close disciples to him. Their names are Peter, James, and John. These three are around him all the time. He's pouring into them a little bit more of an outer court thing, but he has the 12 disciples. Twelve disciples that are around him, he pours into them. He's also preaching to 5,000. That's the outer court. But he sends out those disciples. He pours into Peter, James, and John, pours in a little bit more to them, and then to the 12 disciples, he looks at those 12 and says, okay, two, 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 two. Go out and get them. Go off. Do that, which they do. They come back, and later on in the Scripture, and Luke, it says, then he sends out 72, Okay, you got the feeling, two, two. Okay, now the rest of you two go out and get others. He pours into a few and then sends out the rest. But we know there are three other people that he also had a very close relationship with. And those are the ones I'm going to talk to you about today. And that is a guy named Lazarus and two ladies named Martha and Mary. Have you heard of them? Yeah. Yeah. This is in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Jesus goes to a little town called Bethany. Bethany, as a drive today, if you're in Jerusalem, it's about six miles driving to it. As the crow flies, about two miles. You can't really, Bethany's not necessarily the safest place to be today. uh, But just so you know, the proximity to Jerusalem, that's where it was. And people on the staff today that are are on my staff, if they need a time of rest, let's say they're getting burned out, they will come to me and and this is the terminology we use on my staff. They'll go, hey, Ken, I need a Bethany. And I'll say, go get it. Go get your Bethany. That's where Jesus drew away to rest, rejuvenate, and relax, to go to that Bethany. So, in Luke 10.38, it says... While they were traveling, he entered a village. We know that village is Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up to him and said, Lord don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone, so tell her to give me a hand. Now, that's how I hear it in my mind. She's scolding Jesus. Exactly. (laughs) And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary one thing is necessary, and Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, doing a lot of work, getting a lot of things done, and I can hear every person in the room right now who's one of those workers going, can Say what you want, but if it wasn't for us, nothing would get done around this place. (laughs) I get it. You're great workers. But Jesus said, Mary made the right choice. She chose the good thing. So I want to ask you, what kind of relationship You have with God because there are three distinct ones we see. There's a relationship that Jesus had with Lazarus, there's a relationship he had with Martha, and there's a relationship he had with Mary. And I want to ask you which one of those relationships define where you are today in your walk with the Lord? In your faith walk, where are you? Because again, just like Enoch, we're all walking with him. Where are you in that walk? Check this out in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Because there's a certain thing that happens here in Bethany that's going to be a game changer. This is in uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man was sick. Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha... Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus was sick. Now, what's the relationship of Jesus to Lazarus? So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, the one you is sick. When Jesus heard it, now we know Jesus loved him. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God so that the son of man may be glorified through it. And now scripture doubles down. Now Jesus loved, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We know he loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, the one he loved, the one we know he loved, it says he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now right before I came up here for the first service, I got a call or a text from somebody that works at my church. And she said, hey, Ken, my dad's really sick in the hospital. I need to go to him, which is out of state. She said, do you care if I take off right now? I said, go. Go be with your dad, of course. Go, run. I'm going to be praying. Jesus, when he finds out the one he loves is sick, stays two more days. He doesn't get up and go running. He just hangs. So then... After that, in verse 7, it says, Then after that he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. If you haven't picked that up, Judea is the opposite direction of Bethany. And they go, "Uh, Rabbi? The disciples told him, "Uh, Just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going to go there again? And Jesus rebukes them. And then I want you to get this in verse 11. He said this, and he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death. They thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So then Jesus tells them plainly, the Bible says, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you I wasn't there so that you may believe. Well, let's go to him. And then you gotta love Thomas. Sure. Doubting Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, Well, let's go too so we can die with him. <laughs> Got that spiritual gift of discouragement. <laughs> love that guy. <laughs> Is there any doubt from what we've just read that Jesus knows? That Lazarus is going to rise again. Yes or no? Is there any doubt? No. Mm -mm. He knows what's going to happen. He absolutely unequivocally knows what's about to happen in this place. That's an important point that we're going to need to know in a minute. Now check it out. Next verses. Go ahead and put them up there for me. He arrives on the scene. In verse 17, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. Evidently, very popular guy. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said, To Jesus, get this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I'll say it again. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Still. (laughs) Now I want you to see Jesus answer to her. She turns right here, though. Yet, even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. Whatever you ask, God will give you. And Jesus turns and says to her, your brother will rise again. Is there any doubt? Yes or no? Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Then Jesus says to her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he looks at her in the eye, looks her in the eye and says, Martha, do you believe this? And she replies and says, Yes, Lord. And if you go to the Greek on this, the scripture here says, I believe you are the Messiah. But the scripture, if you go to the Greek, it actually says, I have already believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. Martha, is there any doubt that she believes in Jesus? Jesus just had to kind of go redirect a little bit. Martha, I know you're out there working. I I, I call her Meatloaf Martha because she's out there. She's cooking. She's doing. Okay. But... Gets turned a little bit the wrong direction, but when it comes down to it, she comes through with the faith. I believe, I believe, I believe. There's a relationship with Lazarus that's happened here. Did Jesus love Lazarus? But Lazarus was dead. Here's what I want to ask you. In your relationship to God, wherever you are, you feel a distance? Maybe not as close as you used to be. Is there something in that relationship that used to feel alive, but now feels dead? I came here this morning to tell you, it can live again. What was dead can be resurrected if you'll just let him. Have you spent a lot of time doing a lot of things for God? Working really hard for God? But maybe on the inside, you feel like, "Ah, I know I'm going to do this just because I need to do this. My heart's not in it today. I'm going to give you a statement that's going to hurt a little bit when I say it. But it's okay. We're still going to love each other. God is not interested in what you can do for him. God is not interested in what you can do for him. He's God. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. God is extremely interested in what he can do through you when you yield and get out of the way and let him work. That's what he's interested in and that is the truth. Do you have a relationship like Martha where you're up and you're working and you're serving and you're serving, but you haven't spent time like Mary sitting, listening, dwelling, I want you to see what happens next in this passage in John. In verse 28, verse 28, if you guys want to fast forward over to that part. Having said this, Martha, she went back and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher's here and he's calling for you. Now let's be honest. There's no place in scripture that says Jesus said, bring Mary here. I think Martha was just ticked off. She was still sitting there. (laughs) You're going to get up and do something. As soon as Mary heard this, though, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly. They went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to cry there. And as soon, don't miss this, as soon as Jesus came to where Jesus was, as soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Have we heard this before? Verse 33. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Why? Why did he cry? Martha, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That gets a a rebuke and a lesson. Mary, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That gets tears. One gets a teaching lesson. The other moves the heart of God. What was the difference? Here's the difference. Martha is working for God. He understands. She's not listening. She's up serving all the time. She missed what he was teaching, but Mary... You sat at my feet. You should have known. How could you have missed this, Mary? Well, maybe he was crying because Lazarus was dead. Uh-uh. We already know. Jesus knew Lazarus was going to rise again. He knew the end of that story. He knew exactly what was going to happen to a friend he loved. Mary. That type of intimate relationship with God that spends time listening to Him, that type of relationship moves the heart of God. So, this is the question for you this morning. Do you have a relationship with God that is more like Lazarus? There's some dead things that need to live again. Or do you have a relationship? That's more like Martha. You're working, you're serving God, you're actively doing it, but time spent at Jesus' feet? Not so much. Or do you have a merry relationship that spends time listening to him that moves the very heart of God? What's your relationship? What is your relationship? Maybe you're listening to all this and you're going, Ken, I don't understand anything you just said. I'm just not there. Look, I just, I just generally showed up at this place today, okay? Totally cool. This is why you're here today. You may be wondering, why am I here? I'm about to tell you why you're here. You're here because God wants a relationship with you. In John ten ten. Jesus said, I have come, they might have life and have it in abundance. That's not, the, that's not hereafter, that's here and now. That abundant life starts here and now. He wants to give you abundant life. Does that mean everything in my life is going to be great? No. But it means instead of feeling like you're walking alone, He's going to be walking with you. You don't ever have to be alone ever again. He wants to walk with you. As the worship team's getting ready to come on back. Where are you in this? Now, there's a guy I used to listen to growing up on the radio. His name was Paul Harvey. Oh, you've heard of Paul. And Paul Harvey used to end his broadcast with, And now you know... The rest of the story. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Yeah, the rest of the story. I'm going to give you the rest of this story in just a few verses in John chapter 12. Verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them. I still love her. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. That's pretty amazing. What was dead was now alive and was at the feet of Jesus. But what about Mary? Was she at the feet of Jesus? It says, then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard. They think it was likely equal to a one year wages, one year of wages. Anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. My, my. The rest of that story is what was dead in Lazarus lived and was at the feet of Jesus. Even though Martha was still serving, Mary came in and was not satisfied with just being at the feet of Jesus. She brought an entire offering to Jesus, set it at his feet, and because of that costly offering, the entire house was filled with the perfume of worship. You're gonna have an opportunity in just a minute the worship team's going to come back up here and they're going to sing. And when they do, if there's a Lazarus thing in you right now and you know there's something that's dead that needs to live again, how can it live again, Ken? Ask him. Ask him. Again, so I've there's some things I've done in between there that's going to prevent me from that. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from most of our unrighteousness. Oh, wow. oh well, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all. 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 No matter what we've done, all. All unrighteousness. The Bible says draw near to the Lord. And what's his response? He'll draw near to you. If you have a Lazarus thing going on, draw near to him, pray to him, ask him. If you've had Martha stuff going on, maybe too much on the work side, bordering on burnout, not enough time sitting at Jesus' feet, you're going to be able to worship him. You're going to be able to worship him. And I want you to spend time doing that. And if you have that Mary relationship, draw closer. Let the perfume of your worship fill this house. Father God, I thank you so much for this wonderful church. I thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege here of having a relationship with you. I thank you, God, that you didn't allow us just to sit back. But Lord, you sought us out. You sought us out for a relationship. And Lord, I thank you that no matter what we've done, that if we confess, you're faithful to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I pray for those who need to just know you today. And I pray, God, They just reach out to you and just start talking to you, Lord. Ask you to be their Savior. I pray for those who have something dead that needs to live again, Lord, that you will resurrect life in them today. Your life, abundant life in them. I pray for those, God, who have been working so hard for you and they've done it out of a good heart. They've done it out of a heart to serve. But, Lord, they need you to pour your life into them. I pray they would do that this morning. And then, Lord, I pray for those who have been sitting at your feet, that they would pour out their most precious worship of you this morning. And for every one of those instances, God, I pray we will all be drawn closer to you than ever before. Because I know, God, you're a relational God, and you want that with us. Thank you for our time together. We worship you. And we pray this in the mighty in the powerful and the redemptive name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope this message encouraged you to continue taking steps towards seeking and understanding God's truth. Join us again next week as we continue on in our series titled Words of Life. The dream is that Hilltop is a home for the growing family of God and we're so glad that you are a part of the family.